0: I think my drive is about creating opportunity for other people. I think, you know, the first thing you kind of have to do is identify your purpose. I reached a point in my career where I really wanted to be able to make a change in the industry that would help other people come into the business and find their place and be able to work and tell stories and do all the things that kind of will democratize that access and finding the kind of purpose behind that and really going for it.
2: Hey, everybody, Jason Patria here, and you are listening to the Lead With Your Brand podcast, which is the podcast for folks just like you who are looking to turn up the volume, show your value, and lead with your brand to your next career breakthrough. Well, I cannot believe that another year has gone by, and this week is the Out and Equal Workplace Summit in Las Vegas. If you will be at the Out and Equal Summit, make sure that you join me on Thursday. Thursday for Lead with Your Brand. And I'll be at the Engagement Center all week. Come visit us for some special Lead with Your Brand live interviews with some of your favorite out executives. Now, People always ask me, Jason, how do you know so much about branding? Well, quite simply, I will tell you that over the years, I have coached, trained, and developed thousands of executives in the tech, entertainment, and media space. And working with those executives as an internal consultant, I've had the honor to work on huge business transformations. Now, in most businesses, when they're doing a business transformation, they also do a huge rebrand because it's all about getting in touch with who their customer is and how they can super serve them. So I will tell you, I was working with one chief marketing officer, the fabulous Jackie Hernandez, who now is the CEO and founder of New Majority Ready, and check out her podcast from season one. At the time, Jackie was the chief marketing officer of Telemundo, and I was at a huge offsite with all of their executives, and I was supporting her in rolling out Telemundo's brand new brand. Well, it suddenly dawned on me while Jackie was walking through the tenants and the elements of that new brand. Why is it that when we talk about personal and professional branding, we always just go to those HR people? Shouldn't we be going to those chief marketing officers? And so over the past few years, I have developed the Lead With Your Brand system, which is taking a brand marketer's toolkit and really defining it so that we all can build our personal and professional brands using the same tools that professional marketers use. So let me give you a quick overview of our system. It is really five easy steps. The first step is you've got to define your audience. Great brands know that if you're trying to be something to everyone, you are really nothing to no one. So you've got to figure out who your career audience is. Now, I know at work, it's not like you can turn people away. But instead, I want you to think about who your raving fans are. Who are your super fans? Who are those folks that consistently throughout your career tend to be attractive to you. They are people that come to you for your advice, insights, and recommendations. They are people that recommend you. They are people that sing your praises. They are people that bring you in on teams. I want you to figure out who those personas are. If you looked at all of those people in your career that are your super fans, who are those true personas, and then figure out how you can super serve people just like them. The second step is you've got to know what you stand for today. We know that it is all about authenticity. In fact, here on the Lead With Your Brand podcast, the number one thing that I hear from executives is the need to be authentic. Well, quite frankly, if you're trying to be something, something that you are not everybody knows, because we can smell inauthenticity from a mile away, and it reeks. So you've got to know what you stand for today, not only what your core beliefs are, but how is it that you already show up? What is authentic and natural to you? We never want to be copying some other big executive's brand. Now, once you figure out what you stand for today and can document it and put it into words, now is the time for step number 3 which is refining who you want to be. We are going to take that foundation of all of those authentic brand attributes, but now I'm going to ask you to go through that McDonald's drive-through. You have got to supersize your brand attributes. You cannot have small, medium or large brand attributes. The words that you use to describe yourself need to be supersized. You've got to find those bold words that make you authentically you, but it's the best version of you that you can be. So, you can't just be reliable or fun and entertaining or analytical. No, you've got to be a data Jedi. You've got to be a showstopper, right? You've got to have those brand words that describe you. Once you have that down, it's all about those trimmings because step number four is you've got to keep up your image. Your dress, your workspace, the way you present ideas, they all need to be a reflection of who you intentionally want to show up as. And most importantly, you have got to define how you deliver your signature projects. You should be able to take any work task and any project that comes your way, and make it uniquely you by putting your brand filter on it. Finally, step number five is promote yourself. You know the saying, if a tree falls in the forest and no one sees it or hears it, did it really fall? The same thing is true about your career. You can be doing amazing things, but if people don't know about it, how does it help you out? So you know that great marketers say we've got to see a message eight to 15 times before we are even aware. That's right. You've got to go by that billboard for that Netflix show or see that new product scrolling in your Instagram feed eight to 15 times before you're even aware. And that doesn't even talk about your intent to purchase it. So if you are only talking about the great things about you and your accomplishments once a year at your end of year review, That is not enough. You've got to promote yourself through your own advertising, which is your LinkedIn, your social media, your elevator pitch. By endorsement, having all of those influential super fans of yours recommend you. And finally, you got to show up on brand every single day because that's what drives word of mouth. I am super excited about today's guest. It is H. Schuster, the founder and CEO of Hustle Up. She is a senior media executive with over 20 years of experience producing TV and leading divisions at major media companies. Now, she founded Hustle Up to connect millions of professional creators around the globe to each other and to the companies that need them in order to democratize access to the internet. Industry. As a CEO, she leads a diverse senior level team of industry veterans with the singular mission of transforming Hollywood's old clique. With one click. Now, before hustle up, H was the founder and CEO of Morocco Junction Entertainment, where she built a slate and oversaw creative development and production for projects at Discovery, TLC, Lifetime History Spike, MTV, and Animal Planet, as well as executive producing Abby's studio Rescue for Lifetime and creating one of my favorite shows, Tabitha's Life Takeover for Bravo. Prior to that, she headed unscripted television for Ryan Seacrest Productions, Reveille, and Shine America, and also served as the CCO who scaled Detour, a location-aware podcasting company that was one of Apple's top 10 apps in 2016 before being sold to Bose. She has 15 years of experience producing and overseeing high-profile hits like the Kardashian franchise, The Biggest Loser, and Master Chef, We'll be back in just a few moments with CEO and founder of Hustle Up, H. Schuster.
1: For over 25 years, Jason has coached, trained and developed thousands of leaders and executives, helping them achieve their next career breakthrough. He's a featured speaker at global conferences and companies to help everyone bring their best authentic self to work, show their value, and lead with their brand every day. Get more tips and tools at leadwithyourbrand.com.
2: And we are back. I am thrilled for today's guest. It is Hustle Up founder and CEO H. Schuster. H., what is going on today?
0: Woohoo! I'm very excited to be here, Jason. It's uh, it's a lot of fun to be able to chat with you about what we're up to.
2: Yeah, well, I'm super thrilled to have you on because we've known each other for so long. But the first thing I have to ask you, H, is you are running a startup right now, and so you are meeting with people all of the time. So when you meet with people, how do you explain to them who you are and what it is that you do?
0: Uh, I say I'm a Virgo. I like walks on the beach, handle <laughs> the <with> dinners. <laughs> Uh no to be honest with you leading with a joke is always good you know we've been meeting a lot of investors who we don't know yet uh and I meet new partners all the time who are trying to tell a little bit about what we're building and, and get them excited about working with us. And I think a sense of humor is always, always good, especially when it's a little bit self-deprecating. But, uh, <laughs> you know, my background is really that I spent the last 20 years or so, uh, I started when I was a baby, uh, in the entertainment <laughs> business as um, as an executive producer making shows and then as an executive running divisions of media companies, mostly in unscripted television uh, and uh, worked at companies like Liz Murdoch's company, Shine, and Ryan Seacrest's company, and Ben Silverman's company, Reveille. And we made shows like MasterChef and The Biggest Loser and Lots of cool TV, which um, especially when you're talking to folks in tech uh, or in, in VC worlds, uh, they get excited about talking to folks yeah. who are in entertainment, who create culture and create the things that we're watching and listening to every day. So uh, it's been great to be able to talk a little bit about uh, my, my, my former incarnation uh, <laughs> as an entertainment uh, exec. and. And the company we're building is really kind of at the intersection of technology and entertainment, uh, Hustle Up, which is really a, a network or networked marketplace where Creative talent freelancers from writers producers editors, animators, storyboarders, sound uh, soups uh, uh, camera folks all, everybody from sort of the, the the you know tip of the spear to the base of the spear um, are are welcome to come in We're in an invite only beta right now so we're looking for folks who are already professionalizing in the industry right now and they yeah. can form community with each other. And we find that a lot of creative talent are generating their own opportunities, finding people to form writing groups, to collaborate on a short film, to, uh, you know, get advice, meet managers and agents. Um, they're looking to staff or crew a, a film that's shooting over the weekend, all, all kinds of things that are super useful. And then we're making that community searchable so that Production companies and studios have a more efficient way to search a large, aggravated, uh, aggravated, aggregated. Uh, uh, hopefully, they're not aggravated. Uh, a large <laughs> aggregated pool of, uh, of, of professional talent, uh, with lots of specific criteria, right? So that they can find a meaningful list of talent much more efficiently. Right now, it kind of operates with a game of telephone where, you know, you call five people, you get five names, you call a bunch of people to vet those names. It's not very efficient or, 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 you know, very technologically supported, right? The biggest piece of technology is a telephone and it's often plugged into a wall, right? Uh, (laughs) Uh, where you can still, you know, uh, push lots of buttons and get lost. Um, and, and so I think, you know, the goal really is to democratize access to the entertainment industry and make it more efficient for everybody, for reps, for studio execs, for creative talent, to connect with each other because really that's what we're all looking to do in this business um, is, is find ways to, you know, build our community, find our people, make great stuff, uh, and, and then monetize it.
2: Yeah. Yeah, and it's so exciting because it it just dawns on me that, you know, the traditional way of doing something was like you had to get on a bus and get to Los Angeles and pound the pavement and and you know, get to a film into the film, you know, film festival circuit and do that. And I love that you use that whole term democratizing, right? About really enabling more people to do that. So tell me H, where did you come up with the idea to create Hustle Up?
0: Yeah, that's a really great question. You know, I spent a long time in the business really focused on trying to diversify my teams and find, you know, diversity and make sure that we um, were, were upskilling and advancing women and, and, you know, people of color. And I think it's just really challenging to do it. And a lot of times you hear people kind of, you um, Whether it's legitimate or maybe a little bit of an excuse, you know, it's like, well, I would have hired a female DP, but there just aren't any. I just can't find any, right? (laughs) Exactly. Um, Shocking given how many female DPs are in the DGA. Uh, but you know, I, I think, um, you know, the 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 truth is we just wanted to, you know, I, I was looking around and I was thinking, you know, I could go and, and make TV shows. I love making TV. It's so much fun to do. I've done it for a long time. Uh, and I really wanted to uh, be more purposeful. And, and I wanted to find a way to really uh, improve on an industry I love and make it better and make it an industry that more and more people can come into and tell their stories. And I think, you know, you're really right, Jason, the you know, uh, Zoe Marshall, who's um, a young uh, female writer on the board of the WGA, she's uh, amazing. She, she, early on when I was chatting with her about what we should build, she gave me a really great phrase. She said, you know, H, we're kind of an unprofessional profession. Um, and it's really true, right? You, you go to law school, you go to business school, you, you go to dental school, you know what you're doing next, right? You're, yeah. you're getting somebody to, you know, open their mouth. And you're checking for cavities, you know how to do it. Right. But when you come out of school and you say, Hey, I want to go and make, make content. I want to make TV. I want to make films. I want to, you know, do whatever I want to compose music, whatever it is. Um, you know, you, put all your stuff in the trunk of your car, and you drive across the country, and you sleep on a friend's couch, <laughs> and you wait tables, and you try to find your, your, your moment of serendipity, your big break moment, uh, and you wait three years, and if it's happened, great, and if it hasn't happened, you put all your stuff back in the trunk of your car, and you drive back across the country, and you're sleeping in your mom's basement, uh, and so, you know, there has to be a better way in, right? I think we're all looking for it, there are lots of folks trying to figure out how to do do this. We hope that we have a solution that is really uh, a, a big tent that we can bring everybody into uh, and give people the platform and the tools to be successful at uh, being more connective, more inclusive, discovering new people, upskilling them. Uh, and, and really, you know, uh, we, we are making more content than ever before, right? Yeah. Uh, the streamers lead the way with these huge budgets, but everybody's making more content than ever before. Podcasting, uh, gaming, uh, branded content. Um, everybody needs more great creative talent, diverse creative talent. And there's no good way to find them. The wheels have fallen off the Rolodex, right? Yeah. So, so that's why we're
1: here.
2: Yeah. And so H, I know that you spent all of this time in entertainment. I mean, you were hugely successful. You, you have been part of some of the most iconic shows that are in sort of the pop culture zeitgeist that, that we've all watched over the years. What was that moment that you realized you needed to do something new? and maybe go out and do something in a territory with technology that was maybe an area that you weren't known for and maybe didn't have a full skill set in?
0: Yeah, you know, I I worked um, for a podcasting startup called Detour, uh, where they hired me. It was sort of a, a flyer, like I got a call from a recruiter and they said, hey, are you interested in this? Initially, I was like, I don't know, probably not. And then Flew up to San Francisco and met with the founder, who's a former founder of Groupon, and he showed me what they were doing. And I looked at the product and we were really early to the podcasting space. We were actually making location aware content that used the GPS on your phone that was really focused on the millennial and Gen Z traveler, So that uh, instead of taking those awful tours with the guy with the flag on the stick, we were, we were telling these beautiful bespoke (laughs) stories with these great narrators. We, you know, Ken Burns took you over the Brooklyn bridge and you walked across the bridge hearing about how the bridge was built. Bill, you know, or, uh, you know, uh, uh, Joel Gray took you on a tour of Broadway and through the sort of back alleys and, and stage doors. Um, we did a lot of really cool content. And one of the things I was doing as, as the uh, sort of head of creative for that company was also working every day with the engineers to build the underlying platform that was actually uh, making the content and, and delivering the content and I just got a lot of real joy from being in, um, a, a tech startup environment. You know, I had started production companies or worked for, you know, production companies that were trying to scale many times. You know, I, I got funding from all three media to start my own media company called Morocco junction and, you know, had, had done that, but I had never done it, you know, in, in a tech enabled environment. And so the, the sort of uh, thrill of getting to work with engineers, where I was like, "Hey, could we include AR in this?" And they were like, "Give us two weeks, right?" Um, <laughs> and and get to kind of you know build a product from the ground up was really cool. Um, and so you know we were one of Apple's top ten apps of the year, and we wound up uh, the company wound up being sold to Bose. And I think you know I just when I was looking around, wanted to do something that felt like it was using technology to really innovate. And uh, and and change things, and I think you know the entertainment industry, the the way we distribute content, the way people consume content has been really changed by uh, by by uh, technology, whether it's yeah. streaming or gaming or podcasting. But the front portion of the funnel, the way we make the content, is still pretty old economy. So it felt mm-hmm. like a good place to sort of focus some energy.
2: Yeah, and for you, what what's the biggest difference between sort of leading in that old school entertainment space? versus really spending a lot of time and needing to lead in the technology space, which is that kind of new media digital world.
0: Yeah. You know, I, I think um, it's interesting, right? There's now been a real convergence of entertainment and technology in a lot of ways. And I think maybe the the real differentiator is really just the difference between working for, you know, large established companies, whether that's a studio or a tech company and sort of a, a scrappier lean startup, right? And that's really where we are right now. We just raised our seed round. And, you know, we're uh, hiring some folks, but we're still, uh, you know, uh, wearing many hats and doing many things. And I think that's, that's super thrilling. I really enjoy that no matter what industry you're working in. I think it's great to be a builder and to be able to build something from the ground up.
2: Yeah. And so Hustle Up is all about helping people make connections and be successful as creators. So go all the way back, dial back for me, H. How did you first get your foot in the door in the business? How how did you get your first kind of career breakthrough?
0: It's a really good question. You know, it's funny. It's actually a question we ask professional members of Hustle Up all the time on our Ask Me Anythings and and other other sort of media. You know, I think it, it, it really is the case that, um, in entertainment, you know, you talk to 50 different successful creatives and you're going to get 50 different moments of serendipity, that big break moment. You know, it's the the Lana Turner being discovered at Schwab's Soda Fountain kind of story, right? <laughs> yeah. um, and, and they're not really repeatable, right? So that's why people in the industry, I think, get frustrated who are trying to come into the industry. They're like, how do I do this? How do I break in? How do I... Replicate this, right? And that's one of the reasons why we created Hustle Up was to really offer a more efficient platform to build your network and connect with opportunities. But I think my big break moment—there are probably two. Um, one is I, I, you know, I always worked in high school, worked at haagen had the had the cherry vanilla T-shirt, uh, and and <laughs> wanted to work in. No, no judging. Uh, and, uh, and wanted to work in, in college uh, as well and, and I knew I wanted to be you know, ultimately work in theater and so my first several weeks of my freshman year I showed up on the steps of the public theater in New York uh, and I got an internship and the first week that I was working at the internship um, I ran into Joe Papp Joseph Papp who was yeah. the founder and at the time still ran the public theater in New York Shakespeare Festival. He's wow. just a giant of a, of a human. Um, we ran into each other in a hallway and you know, he's this larger than life producer, this important guy and I did not expect him to take the time to talk to uh, a little pisher, if you will, like me, um, and, but he stopped and he, he, he introduced himself. He said he didn't know me. I introduced myself and said, I just started working in the press office. And uh, he asked me how much money they were paying me. And I, it wasn't much. Uh, and, uh, and, and I told him and he nodded and he kind of sent me on my way. And I felt pretty excited that I had even uh, met Joe Papp. Right. Um, and then later that day, the general manager called me into his office. I was like, Oh, what's going on. And he told me that, uh, Mr. Papp had come in and said he met me and I'm like, Oh no. And he said, uh, and Mr. Papp has given you a raise of $50 a week, uh, which was pretty sizable wow. to a, to a 19 year old back then. Yeah. Um, and it really confirmed for me that I was going to be able to succeed and support myself in what I loved, which was, which was making theater. And it also, I have to say, Really reaffirmed or, 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 made me realize how a small act of kindness, uh, could really be, be a moment of, of massive encouragement for someone just starting mm. out. Um, mm. and on a side note, many years later, uh, I worked with that general manager again in TV. It was David O'Connell, who spent many years as a production executive at Bravo. So. Of course uh, I so love we,
2: Doc, right?
0: Yes. So Doc, uh, Doc was, uh, was in the GM's office giving me my first, uh, my first greens. <laughs> so, uh, he was much more frugal at Bravo, I can assure you. Uh, so, uh, so, and then the second, the second moment probably for me was a little bit later in my career. I had worked on Rent and Angels in America and a lot of big Broadway shows that were super exciting. And then looked at my bank account and realized I was making $25,000 a year, and that was tough in New York. And so I decided to go to law school. Um, and, and even though it was a great experience, I also discovered I didn't really want to practice law. So instead I moved to L.A. to write screenplays and TV. Um, And the only people I really knew when I got to L.A. were uh, a former uh, grad student classmate of mine who had become a development executive new line and her then boyfriend, now husband, who's uh, a pretty well-known screenwriter. And they were kind enough to get me meetings with agents and managers and you know, help me out. But a writer's strike was looming, and it was kind of tough. And I I had a couple of screenplays that had been optioned, but those weren't really paying the bills. Um, And so one day, Zach, uh, her husband, called me and said that this guy he went to high school with – was producing a reality show for for a major network and asked me if I wanted to take a meeting with him and I was like okay yeah let's do it and uh and I wound up producing shows for Mark Burnett and Mark Burnett Productions for the next 4 years um and really continued to build my my career in unscripted TV and I think you know I hadn't planned To become an unscripted TV producer or executive, that wasn't really a thing yet, right? It was like I was, you know, the genre was brand new. Nobody really went to school for that or anything. But I think it really shows you that if you're open to things, just take the meeting, right? Always take the meeting because if you're open to an opportunity, it it uh, it can really change your career.
2: Yeah. And and so, H, tell me, like, way back in the day, was there some type of stigma because it was, like, reality? It was unscripted? And here you're coming from, like, these kind of Tony Award-winning Broadway shows...
0: You know, look, it wasn't where I expected to end up, but I have to say I had a lot of fun doing it and produced a lot of really, you know, great, interesting shows that I'm proud of. I think, you know, it's interesting, not long after I started producing reality TV, I went to a a monthly poker game with a bunch of friends of mine who had gone through AFI and were all working as TV writers. They were all sort of starting out. They were staff writers or co-producers on the scripted side of TV, uh, working on some great shows and one particular person at that, that, that poker, uh, evening gave me a really hard time about it, it was like, you know, you're reality TV is responsible for fewer writing jobs and you're taking writing jobs away from us. And, and, you know, I think at that time it was like this new genre that was coming in. I think we forget now that reality TV is relatively new, right. Yeah. And, 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 and different facets of it are even newer as it has evolved as a genre. And I think, you know, you look at the, the sort of um, anxiety we all have about what feels like an economy of scarcity, right? There's only so many slots on a, On a cable network or a a network and how uh, uh, streaming has really uh, broadened that, right? And made it possible for more and more content to get made where it doesn't feel like if you buy a reality show, you're not buying a scripted show, right? Which was sort of the, that was sort of the zero sum game uh, back then, 20 years ago, right? And I think now um, you know, there's, there's sort of this sense of abundance that, you know, that we can, we can have all kinds of shows that, um, can appeal to a wide range of tastes and and audiences. So the business has changed a lot since then, I think, and partly because of technology, right? And and technology has changed how we, how we do business.
2: Yeah. And what's the biggest thing you learned working in the unscripted genre that you actually apply to things like hustle up today?
0: Uh, well, you know, I think one of the things that you you get to do in unscripted is is work with real people, right? Yeah. who You're uh, you're hopefully with compassion and empathy and kindness, you're you're telling their story, right? And so I think you get to sort of hopefully understand a little bit more about the human psyche and what makes people tick and. And, you know, get to sort of meet a wide variety of people that you wouldn't normally meet, right? I've I've gone to some far-flung places and met some interesting people uh, <laughs> that I never would have met otherwise, right? If I was sitting in my office writing a script, uh, I would never have met those folks. I think what's interesting is you talk to a lot of writers, uh, and they talk about how they like to watch reality TV as sort of yeah. uh, a way to, to, to see what real people do in, in ostensibly real situations. Uh, so, you know, there's there's that piece of it that's interesting.
2: Yeah, and it it really strikes me part of what you're doing at Hustle Up, right, is democratizing and allowing more people, women and people of color to break through in the in the industry. In in many ways, unscripted did that for scripted, right? Right. Because they were real people, we saw a whole host of LGBTQ plus folks, multiracial folks, certainly more oh, yeah. more well-rounded and dynamic women that we had traditionally seen in the scripted space, right?
0: Yeah, that's right. Going all the way back to Pedro on uh, The Real World, right? Uh, yeah. It, it's been, there have been moments where it's been quite groundbreaking in terms of, of the stories that have been told, which is, which is awesome.
2: And of course, you know, one of my favorite unscripted moments was when I had the chance to go on one of your shows in, uh, Tabitha takes over That's uh, right. Long Beach's, uh, <laughs> L- LGBTQ ripples bar r- ripples. ripples. Yep. And, and, uh, and, and, that was super fun kind of seeing be behind the scenes of how that whole, how that whole filming, uh, production went.
0: And I think that shows a really good example. You know, we, we would actually, they, it was a show where it was sort of a, a what's called the takeover makeover show where Tabitha was a hairdresser who was quite successful. She would go into these failing businesses and, and, uh, she was a small business owner and, and would help them turn their, their businesses around. And one of the things we would do is we would vet the businesses very early in the casting process to make sure they were actually in trouble because there were lots of businesses who were actually doing great. They just wanted the exposure. Um, and, and we had a commitment. We really wanted to help businesses that were struggling and, and had stakes and would like go through kind of her boot camp, which was, you know, obviously filmed and and be committed to the process, right? And hopefully come out on the other end with businesses that were better off. And uh, I think pretty much all of the businesses that went through the show were, were continuing to operate a year or two later when we would go back and check on them and, yeah. and you know, had, had would, would continue a relationship with Tabitha where they would email her and text her a year later saying, you'd be so proud of me because I just did X, Y, and Z that you always told me I should do. Um, and, and they saw her as a real mentor, which was was very cool.
2: Yeah, that that's super super cool. Now tell me, H, when you were a kid, what did you want to be when you grew up?
0: A writer from really a really really young age. Uh, a writer and a lesbian. Uh, that, was, that was pretty <laughs> much it. Uh, not not necessarily in that order. Not necessarily, but <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I I from a very young age was writing books and bad plays and you know stories and. Uh, comic books, and you know, definitely wanted to uh, to be in some way making making entertainment.
2: Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about your brand as a CEO and a business leader. Give me three words that you would use to describe Brand H Schuster.
0: Hmm. That's interesting. Well i mean i think um in terms of my leadership brand i would say uh certainly opportunity creating opportunities for people and you know whether it was giving a pa their first opportunity to produce a segment or giving women the first bump up or next bump up in their credit because that was often hard for, for people to advance. Um, and, and again, as I said, like looking for diversity and giving diverse folks opportunities to come into a team and, and to move ahead. I think, you know, again, that's sort of what led me to, to hustle up. Um, and then I think the other thing is, is, uh, is ownership, really believing in giving people credit for their accomplishments, for owning uh, my mistakes, for people owning their mistakes, that can be kind of lacking in this industry. People can kind of have anxiety or panic about that. And I think really just, uh, you know, also saying you're going to do what you say you're going to do, right? Yeah. And and setting an example for your team. A boss I had once complimented me. He was like, you always follow through on what you say you're going to do. And it's like, well, yeah, you know, absolutely, you know. <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, and I always try to jump in and help my team succeed and follow through too. I think, you know, Uh, there's, there's no job that I won't do. People have seen me sweeping the set, uh, and, and, you know, now learning how to, uh, operate Canva to help with design. You know, I always encourage my teams to, you know, uh, try new things and meet new challenges, but also, you know, you have to, you have to set an example for, for all of that too. Um, and I think for me personally, um, you know, I think I'm I'm definitely a builder um, mm. and 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 a hustler. I mean, come on, I'm scrappy. I'll make it happen. Let's hustle <laughs> up.
2: So, opportunity maker. You're an owner and a builder and a hustler. So there H, you go. So H, tell me, are those elements of your brand that have existed throughout your career, or are there? Things there that have really evolved and changed as you've grown into be a producer, a creator, and now a founder and CEO?
0: Um, yeah, you know, look, I'd like to think they've been there from the beginning. I think they have. I think, you know, one of the things that, um, that I think is really critical to anyone evolving their career and their brand is really... Uh, authentic and meaningful relationships, right? Um, I think, you know, I always try to show up authentically and honestly. I think so many times in business, whether it's entertainment or tech or any business, people treat their professional relationships as purely transactional, right? Um, What can you do for me? What's our value exchange? Um, I was just actually at a founder event in San Francisco sponsored by one of our funds. uh, And it was an opportunity where all of the founders got together and and got to meet each other and get to know each other. And, And one of the founders was sort of going around from, you know, group to group of of people who were chatting with each other. And she would kind of insert herself and pitch her product and show a demo and then kind of go around to each person and figure out like what they could do to help her. Right. Um, And it sort of stood out. It sort of bumped for people. And I, I, you know, I think she was just, she's, she's focused, right? She's she's trying to get her her, her company from zero to one. She's like, you know, she's like, here's a room full of talented people who might be able to help me. Like, I don't think there was any malice in it. I think it was just like, she lost the forest through the trees. Like it really bumped for people because she wasn't taking the time to actually get to know them and and maybe share something about herself and you know, I think I always try to operate with sort of this generosity in these relationships that I have that I've had for many, many years, because there'll be plenty of time for the business part, right? Yeah. Um, I was just at an event for, uh, for the, the Sabin Center, uh, you know, honoring a former colleague for his philanthropic work and ran into literally hundreds of, of, of industry colleagues. And, you know, I didn't, I didn't ask about or lead with work stuff even once, like I asked about their summers and their families and how their kids were doing. And, I think, you know, it doesn't matter whether you're in that larger corporate culture or a, a lean startup or wherever you have to show people or you need to, 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 to think about how you can show people that you care about them and, and you know, build those relationships through investing in people and, 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 and build that loyalty. That's what really helps you, I think, evolve uh, your career, you know?
2: Yeah. And I mean, at the end of the day, right, it's like people want to help other people. They don't That's want right. to help. A business, right? Like people are helping you because right. they believe in you and they believe in your, your vision, not just because they believe in your platform, right?
0: Right. And I think, you know, even with how we're thinking about hustle up, like there's sort of the give and the get, right? And I think, um, it's interesting, you know. Uh, uh, you know, and there have been studies done about this as well. Like the more you're inclined to, to you know, if you get something from someone you don't even know, the more you're inclined to help someone when they that you don't know when they ask for something, right? Yeah. And and you know, I think um, you know it's important to think about that kind of you know. I, I know it's a phrase; that gets overused. It's a little a little cheesy, but like that paying it forward moment where you know you're thinking about like how can I um you know do something for someone that's going to help them out even if it's not like oh it's a transactional kind of kind of thing
2: Yeah. And H, what strikes me is so interesting about your, your words of kind of opportunity maker, owner and, and hustler, right? Is that oftentimes hustler and opportunity maker, like those things don't feel like they go together, but that's sort (laughs) of the, that's the intersection of, of what's, what makes you and, and even your platform unique. How do you balance those things? How do you stay and have that hustle and that drive yet still make room to create opportunity for other people?
0: Look, I think that's a really good question. You know, I think my drive is about creating opportunity for other people. I think, you know, the first thing you kind of have to do is identify your purpose. I reached a point in my career where I really wanted to be able to make a change in the industry that would help other people come into the business and find their place and be able to work and tell stories and do all the things that kind of will democratize that access and finding the kind of purpose behind that and really going for it, right? Um, And really, the purpose of Hustle Up is to to create opportunities for people and and to be able to to, you know, to, to, to change the way the business kind of does that.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And talk to me a little bit about, sort of creating brands? Because when you worked in television, I mean, you were really creating the brand of a TV show. You were helping amplify and hone the brand of the characters, right? Or the real people on there. And now you're really creating a brand for Hustle Up. What are some of the things that you've looked at from that production lens, right? As that kind of ultimate producer that you've done for businesses that you think people could apply to themselves as their own brand as a professional?
0: Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, I think, um, you know, I'm sure other people would would have, have answered this question for you in a similar way, but I think authenticity is really important, whether it's a TV show or it's, you know, who you are in a room full of people, um, you know, having sort of the ability to be honest and open and you know, this comes back to like, you know, you don't have to be perfect. You don't always have to have the right answer. You don't always have to, you know, never make a mistake. Like just being, you know, authentic, I think, uh, is, is a big part of being able to build your, your brand and your credibility and your reputation and, and all of those things. Um, and, you know, I think the other piece of it is, and, you know, I think about this every day for hustle up is building a brand is a lot about solving a problem for people, giving people mm. what they need. Um, you know, certainly when you're a TV producer or executive, you're pitching a show to a network under the the lens of like, you need this show. The show is going to be a great show for your network. You know, um, yeah. you know, how do you not already have the show? You need it right away. Um, and you know, you, when you develop a show, you're developing it because you believe that there's, you know, there isn't another show that, that tells that story or does what your show is going to do. Um, and I think, you know, similarly with hustle up, like we believe we're solving a set of pretty fundamental and serious problems for the industry. Right. Um, and, and we hear that every day from people we talk to about it, you know, um, the other day I was talking to somebody who was like, well, what about like international talent? Like, how will I be able to like do that? And I'm like, well. Think of it this way, you know, you're trying to shoot something that shoots in Canada or New Zealand and you need people who are local hires and how are you going to find those folks? Well, you can come on to hustle up and actually check off a box that says Canadian passport and generate a list of people who have a Canadian passport, right? Um, and so it seems like a very small problem. It seems very specific. It's a very specific feature, but it solves actually a huge problem as our business gets more global, right? And as our, our business gets more international, um, You know, right now, it's like you're on the phone with somebody, and you're like, I think you said sorry. Are you Canadian? Uh, You know, (laughs) it's a little awkward. Uh, I'm half Canadian, so I can make that joke, Uh, I'm sorry to say. Uh, But you know, if there was a more efficient way to do that, then, then people look at your brand and they see you as sort of something that helps solve a problem, right. Um, a tool to solve a problem that they have. And that's what makes you sort of indispensable. Right. Um, and I think that happens a lot, you know, in, 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 uh, you know, interpersonal relationships at companies too, right. There's a reason why when somebody takes a new job, they're like, I have to have so-and-so right. Because that person is there, is there, their person that solves the problems and is their right hand that helps them get stuff done right and and you build up that credibility over time.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I love that whole notion that your brand has to really solve Problems and then add add values in that. Sorry, and add value in that in that that solution space. That's right. So so H, we've been talking all about your brand. A couple of fun questions for you. What is your (laughs) favorite brand as a consumer? What what Mm. what what do you love to consume? What brand do you love?
0: Well, we just threw uh, our first, our inaugural hustle up table read for emerging voices. So in the entertainment business, the last stop for a lot of script development is to get actors, professional actors around a table and read the script. Uh, And so we partnered with Tyra Banks and Bankable, her production company, Mm. uh, and uh, Anjali Bimani, who is one of the stars of Miss Marvel. And we produced a fantastic table read of of a comedy pilot. Uh, by Sabrina Besla, who's uh, telling a story, the story, a story of uh, South Asian American women's experiences. She's uh, South Asian. Uh, and it was hilarious and body and wonderful. And we had about 65, 70 people come to the reading that were uh, network execs, studio execs, agents, managers, other writers from other shows, and just really enjoy the evening. We had uh, samosas and, you know, sort of Indian treats. And we had mango lassis, and we had a couple of brands that came in to help us with our beverages and our bar. Uh, and one of the one of the sponsors that came in is this company Sound. Look at this, I'm actually Ooh. holding up the product. If only it wasn't a podcast. I know, it was right? Imagine uh, imagine
2: you're drinking a imagine sound.
0: Imagine that. What's cool about this company, they 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 started in New York and now they're out here in LA. Um, and it's like sparkling water, but like this one that I'm drinking. It's unsweetened and organic. Look how I'm reading the label. That's how much I like it. <laughs> uh, and this is with um, it's tangerine with lemongrass and green tea. It's like it's like sparkling water with like botanicals and tea, and so so I can get my caffeine uh, and also you know uh, uh, all these other like kind of lovely flavors that make it not sweet at all. It's just like kind of this wonderful kind of refreshing thing. So uh, we they left behind quite a few of these for us because we were fans uh and now my whole family is uh, enjoying trying all the flavors
2: and, <laughs> and checking it out it is becoming addicted and it's a beautiful can at that so check it's, it out. it is
0: you know packaging does matter uh it does matter and they have gorgeous cans and they they did a nice job on their display at the event and uh you know even taglines right so their tagline is an adventure in bubbles mm. uh which uh, sounds, sounds pretty good. I, I want to drink that. Um, you know, and, and we actually spent a lot of time on our tagline, uh, which uh, reads, reads much more easily than I can say it, but you know, transforming Hollywood's old click, C-L-I-Q-U-E, with one click, C-L-I-C-K. My mm. wife came up with that. I have to say that or I get divorced. Uh, she's amazing. <laughs> uh, she's like our lead marketing guru. She's, she's come up with a lot of great kind of ideas for how we can kind of encapsulate what we're doing. And it's really important. People want to understand what you're doing quickly and hopefully in a way that entertains them and makes them kind of go, "Ooh, that's interesting, you know, um, and and that matters for sure.
2: Yeah. Now, H, if you were a type of car, what type of car would you be and why?
0: See, I thought for sure you were going to ask me what my tagline was. And I started to panic. I'm like, uh, <laughs>
2: adventure in bubbles. I'm an adventure in bubbles.
0: Um so, okay, I'm somewhat obsessed with the vintage Ford Bronco, uh, and there's Ooh. a company that actually takes vintage Ford Broncos and kind of, uh, makes them modern, gives them like, you know, GPS and, and all kinds of things that make them really modern. They do this cool thing where the, the, the manual windows that roll down, you just push on it and the window automatically lowers. It's, it's, it's this really Ooh. cool kind of, hybrid of like old classic kind of, you know, this this classic beautifully designed car that uh, that, you know, is rugged and just is is like this really cool car uh, combined with sort of modern technology and, uh, and and maybe a few conveniences. So I'll, I'll go with that. I'll go with that rugged, but, but modern.
2: Ooh, rugged, <laughs> but modern. I love now that. Now it's and starting
0: to sound like my personal ad. I don't know about this. She's this <laughs> rugged, but modern. Folks. Exactly. Don't um, tell my wife.
2: <laughs> and finally H what's the best career advice that you'd pass on to our listeners and all those folks trying to hustle up?
0: Oh, that's a great question. You know, um, Here's what I would say. Don't think of failure as a period, as a full stop. Think of it as, like, more of a comma, right? I mean, I think people think of success as, I was right, and failure is, oh, I was wrong. But I think, um, you know, failure can really be a stepping stone to success as long as you really Mm. learn from it. You take something away from it. So I think, you know, make make your failures your biggest advantage by learning or or thinking about what went wrong and and figuring out how you can change it for next time because, you know, really, if you want to grow – at your craft, at what you do, you have to set big and sometimes unreasonable goals, and that means you might fail. Um, but. But that's kind of the point, right? You're stretching yourself to achieve things you haven't done before. And sometimes you get there on the first or second attempt. And sometimes you just have to adjust and and, and, and keep going. And I think pitching TV shows really makes you ready for that because you know you develop this pitch around this show that you think is great and you love it and you love everything about it. And you think you've you think you've pressure tested it from every direction, you know, and then and then sometimes what you do is you actually set your first pitch with the buyer you think isn't gonna buy it. Yeah. Because then they can they can give you the past and they can give you lots of feedback and they can say, well, here's what we didn't like about it. So then you go in and you rearrange your pitch and try to fix it. Right. You don't always take every piece of of feedback, but you know, you, you kind of filter it and you figure out, okay, how can I make this better? And you do that Mm. after every pitch, right? And by the time you get to that sixth or eighth pitch, you might have like the perfect show that, That really, uh, uh, you know, the buyers are super excited about. And sometimes you won't. You have to take your learning of why that show didn't sell and and roll it into the next thing. Um, And it's a pretty fast paced turnover, right? You're you're pitching all the time. You're developing all the time. And I think if you let failure get to you, it's not you're not going to be able to be successful at that, right? You're not going to if you hold on to that that pass every time. You're not going to be able to 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 move ahead and, and get on to the next one, you know?
2: Yeah. Well, H, it was so great uh, connecting with you. Um, it was thank great. You, thank you for being an opportunity maker. Thank you for <laughs> being a hustler. Thank you for being <laughs> being an owner. To uh, Tell our listeners if they are in the industry and they are uh, fairly established, how can they participate in Hustle Up?
0: Yeah, I love it. So you can go to the website, hustleup.com, H-U-S-S-L-U-P. Uh, and that's because the URL was available guys. Uh, and you can also (laughs) go to the the app or Android store and download the app from there, uh, and create your profile and sign up. We, uh, we right now are invite only. So if you don't have an invite code, you'll go to our wait list and we'll, we'll uh, let you know within a week or so and and send you a code and and get you in. So, uh, we're, we're growing. We want to grow with a really great committed community and, Uh, and get lots of feedback on what we need to change about the product. And then we'll be be launching more uh, more widely uh, at the end of the year.
2: Awesome. Well, best of luck to you and best of luck to all you hustlers out there. Thank you so much, H.
0: (laughs) Thanks, Jason. This was a lot of fun. It flew by.
2: And we'll be back in just a few moments with my final thoughts.
1: Are you tired of not being recognized for your work? Are you ready to rise above the rest and accelerate to the next level the lead with your brand career breakthrough mentoring program will help you take control of your career develop your own unique brand and catapult you to a whole new level of success you are a top performer and the lead with your brand career breakthrough mentoring program is what you need to get you there visit leadwithyourbrand.com to learn how
2: Wow, what an amazing conversation with H. Schuster, the CEO and founder of Hustle Up. I just loved all of the great things that H. had to say. But one of the things that really stood out to me was this whole notion of giving back and paying it forward. You know what? One of my old bosses once told me that selfish organizations can't serve. And when I think about those wise words, I bring it all the way down to us, selfish people, can't serve. Because as H said, your brand is really all about figuring out what problem you solve for people and then the value you add. Quite simply, your brand is about being in service of your career audience. So ask yourself, how are you serving other people and what problem are you solving for your audience today? Well, that's our show for this week. If you loved what you heard, make sure you're following us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast, and we'll give you a brand new show with an amazing guest every single Tuesday. Make sure to check me out on social media like LinkedIn. I'm at Jason Patria on all platforms. And most importantly, promise me, in your career, do not be a boring old commodity like coffee. Make sure that you can stand out from the crowd like a super premium brand like Starbucks.
1: You've been listening to Lead With Your Brand, the podcast that explores and uncovers exceptional career success stories and inspiring personal brand journeys with your host, personal branding expert, diversity advocate, and keynote speaker, Jason Patria. Remember to subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Visit us at leadwithyourbrand.com.